passing of the Red Sea this morning, and I want you to hear this morning, God has a word for you. God has a word for you. And, um, and I believe that God wants to speak to you today. I believe that God wants to speak to us today. I have enjoyed and been enjoying going through this series with you guys, looking at, looking at the, the, the miracles and the, the, uh, the lives that were lived by faith. Have you guys, have you noticed the pattern here that everything that required faith was difficult? <laughs> Anybody notice that pattern? Everything that, that required faith was difficult. These folks and what they faced and what they went through was hard. It was hard and it required faith and life to be lived according to what God has called us to live. There are challenge that, challenges that each one, each one of us face. There are hard things that each one of us faith, face and they require us to live by faith. Now, I know that none of us have, have, have made it to a Red Sea and needed it to cross, literally. But I believe in this room this morning, there are folks who have faced moments that you needed God to move and intervene and do something that you could not do, that it could only be done if God did it. Is that right? Anybody been there? Amen. Can I get some more of me in my monitor or somewhere? I would appreciate it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29. Hebrews 11, verse 29. And really, I mostly need it on my monitor because I, I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like I, I'm, I'm speaking out to you guys. Um, Hebrews 11, verse 29. If you've got your Bible, turn there. Then we're going to turn to Exodus, the book of Exodus. Um, Hebrews 11, verse 29, it says, By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Heavenly Father, I ask that as we, as we get into your word this morning, your word would speak to us, that we would hear your voice clearly, that we would hear your voice clearly, that we would understand your voice to us, that you would, that, and that you would speak clearly to us. Lord, we give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor in this house this morning. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. If there was ever a leader that needed a miracle, it was Moses. Thank you. If there was ever a leader that needed a miracle, it was Moses. And if there was ever a group of people that needed a miracle, it were these runaway slaves from Egypt. If there was, they, they needed God and Moses needed God to show up in a big way. Now Moses had obeyed God. He had heard the voice of Jesus speaking in the bush. He had stood before Pharaoh. He had delivered the message of God to Pharaoh that God sent him to deliver. He had watched as a plague swept over Egypt. He had kept the conditions of the Passover meal that we talked about last week. He killed the spotless lamb. He ate all of it. He swept his house from the leaven, from sin. He applied the blood of the lamb to the doorposts of his shelter. God spared everyone who had the, the Passover meal and the blood applied to their lives. And now Moses had stood before Pharaoh. Pharaoh's son was dead. Pharaoh looks at Moses with a, with a look of tiredness, with a look of defeat, with a look of, of sorrow, with a look of anguish. He looks at Moses and he, he in weakly hushed tones, he tells Moses, get out of Egypt and take your people with you. The slaves were free. The chains were loosed. The burdens were removed from their backs. There was freedom. Two million Hebrew slaves were set free on that day. Moses had done it because God had done it. He promised them a land and now they were on their way. But if there was ever a leader that needed a miracle, it was Moses. Here's what you, I want you to hear this morning. The enemy wants you to pay for his rebellion. You hear that? The enemy wants you to pay for his rebellion. 
before they were too far gone, before these Egyptian, before these Hebrew uh, slaves now, children of Israel, before they were too far removed, Pharaoh has a change of heart, a change of plans. He decides, you know what? I can't lose those folks. What started as, as defeat and sadness began to turn to anger for Pharaoh. And he arose from his mourning and his sorrow, and he pursued the Hebrews to kill them and to recapture them as slaves. He had lost two million Hebrews that day, and about 600,000 of them were, were strong workers. And he lost them all, and he wanted them back, and he wanted them to pay in the he had to pay for his rebellion against God, and instead of accepting the punishment for his actions, he wanted to attack someone else. I said instead of accepting the punishment for his actions, he wanted to attack someone else. The wages of sin is death. We will all reap the payment of death unless we accept the sacrifice of Jesus as the Passover lamb. See, see, when you are in sin, when you are in rebellion to God, you face the punishment of that sin. There is no getting around the fact that the soul that sins, it shall There's no getting around the fact that Satan is going to do everything in his power to trap you in a life of defeat and slavery. He may do it through, through substances. He may do it through alcohol. He may do it through greed and money. He may do it through good things. He may do it through addiction. He may do it through self-righteousness. He may do it through a critical spirit. He may do it through harm that is done to you, but Satan hates you and he wants you to pay for his rebellion, and you will pay for your rebellion. But Pharaoh had rebelled against God, and instead of facing those consequences, he wanted to make the others pay. Oftentimes, listen, if you're taking notes, this might be a note to write down. Oftentimes, when we face the consequences of our sinful behavior, we lash out at others instead of turning to the one who took the lashing on his back. When we face the consequences of our own behavior, oftentimes we lash out at others instead of allowing the freedom that should be ours, that is ours in Christ, instead of allowing that freedom to take hold in us, we lash out at other people because we want them to be just as enslaved as we are. We want them to be just as hurt and in pain as we are. Instead, Jesus says, let all who are weary and burdened, let them come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. But oftentimes we lash out instead of looking to the one who took our sin on his back. That's what Pharaoh does. He lashes out at Moses and he chases after the Hebrews. His charioteers, his foot soldiers, his weapon experts, his, his horsemen, they all set their course to follow the Hebrews and to annihilate them. The odds of the Hebrews winning this battle were maybe a hundred to one. Why? Because, because Pharaoh's army, of course, was superbly trained. They had charioteers, they had machinery, they had weapons. They, they were chasing the Hebrews right into the sea. The Red Sea. And so if there was ever a people that needed a miracle, it was the Hebrews. If ever there was a group of people needing a miracle, it was the Hebrews. Exodus, if you've got your Bible... Turn with me to Exodus chapter 13. Our next heading is this. If any people ever needed a miracle, it was the Hebrews. It says this in Exodus chapter 13, starting in verse 17. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. 
people go, God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearby. For God said the people will change their minds and return to Egypt if they face war. So he led the people around toward the Red Sea along the road of the wilderness. Did you hear that? I'm just going to stop here for a second. The people will change their minds and return to Egypt if they face war. Let that sink in for a second. God understood the hearts of the Hebrews. And even though he had a promised land for them, he took them, he he had plans to take them the long way because he knew that they would see bondage as better than promise if it was hard for them. So he led the people around toward the Red Sea along the road of wilderness. And the Israelites left the land of Egypt in battle formation. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear a solemn oath saying, God will certainly come to your aid and you must take my bones with you from this place. And they set out from Sukkoth and encamped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud and led them on their way during the day and in a pillar of fire to give them light at night. Okay, so during the day, there was this big pillar that made out of, that was a cloud and it led them. Let's just, just get the picture in your head. It's a giant cloud that looks like a pillar. Not a pillow, a pillar, right? And it led them, and then at night, there was a, that, that pillar of cloud turned into a pillar of fire. How, how tall was it? How, how big was it? And I guess it was mighty large. You're talking about two million people following a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. How long that line, how long that trail, how long that migrant caravan must have been. daytime and see the pillar in the nighttime. So they're following this pillar of, of, of cloud and of fire. And what is, what is a cloud made of? What's a cloud made of? What? Of what? What? Water, right? Cloud is made of water. Condensation is the, is the water cycle, right? Third grade science, the water cycle. So it's, it's water, and then it's fire. And what we see in the New Testament, and what we understand is that this is then a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The water and the fire are symbols of the Holy Spirit, and the water and the fire are symbols of baptism and the Holy Spirit. Let's keep going, let's keep reading. The Lord said... The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Pi-Herothoth, between Magdal and the sea. You must camp in front of Baal-Zephon, facing it by the sea. Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, they are wandering around the land in confusion. The wilderness has boxed them in. I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. Then I will receive glory by, the, by means of Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, for the Israelites did this. And when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people and said, what have we done? We have released Israel from saving us. So he got his chariot ready and took his troops with him. He, he said, what have we done? And, the, and he got his troops and took 600 of his best chariots and all the rest of the chariots of Egypt with officers in each one. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out defiantly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his horsemen and his army, chased after them and caught up with them as they camped by the sea beside Pihiroth in front of Beelzephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there, was, and there were the Egyptians coming after them. 
the Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, it is, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, don't be afraid, stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. <laughs> I like that. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. Here they are, the, the, the children of Israel. They're complaining. They're freaking out. They're scared. They're saying, we should have just stayed in Egypt. It would have been better for us to be servants and slaves in Egypt than to be out here. And the Lord's like, be quiet so I can do something. Just shut your mouth and let me deliver you. Quit complaining and let me work. See, this, this, the, Lord, the Lord can't work if we complain it all the time. There's not faith in complaints. Somebody said amen. We got it. So he's like, be quiet. The Lord will fight for you. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. As for me, I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go after them. And I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all his army and his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Did y'all see this? This is the Lord strategizing a plan. Y'all see this? This is the Lord strategizing a plan. He says, all right, Moses, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go and you're going you're gonna to take your staff and, and you're going to divide the sea. And while you're over there doing that, I'm going to go over here with Pharaoh and I'm going to do some, do some work with Pharaoh. And then they're going to combine and there's going to be a glory. They're going to see and they're going to know that God met them. But we got a plan. we got to have a plan, Moses. You do this and I'll do this. How many of us are being obedient to what God has said? See, God has a plan for us, our deliverance, church. God has a plan for your deliverance, church. God has a plan. Are we walking in the destruction and in the freedom and in the strategy that he has given us so that he can do the work that he wants to do? Are we being faithful to what God has called us to be so that we can see God do what God has said that he would do? Are you walking in obedience? Are you walking in faithfulness? Are you walking in holiness and walking in righteousness? Are you living out who God's called you to be so that we can see God do what God has said he would do? The angel of the Lord who was going in front of the Israelite forces moved and went behind them. That's pretty cool. The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. It, became, it came between the Egyptian and Israelite forces, and there was cloud and darkness. It lit up the night, and neither group came near the other all night long. I, I, just, I really like that. Moses stretched his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. The Egypt, the Egyptians set out in pursuit, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. And they went into the sea after them during the morning watch. And the Lord looked down at the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw the Egyptian forces into confusion. It caused their chariot wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. Let's get away from Israel, the Egyptians said, because the Lord is fighting for them and against Israel. See, they understood that the Lord was fighting for them because they had just experienced all the plagues. They knew that their God was powerful. They knew that their God was mighty. And when they started going through the sea and they began to, to experience difficulty, they knew that God 
was fighting for the Hebrews. And the Lord said, stretch out your hand over the sea so the water may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea, and the water came back and covered the chariots and horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. But the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground. as waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. But they, that day the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in him and in his servant Moses. It's like, how many miracles does God need to do before they just believe? The plagues, the Passover, Moses had relented and let them leave. Now finally, finally the, the children of Israel are like, oh, God must really be and do what he said he's going to do. God must really be for us. Choose fire. I said that last week, right? God must really be for us. Listen, what else does God need to do to prove himself faithful? I don't believe he needs to do another thing to prove himself faithful. But he will. He will keep on. He will keep demonstrating his power and his love and his mercy. He will keep demonstrating his goodness over and over and over again because we are his people and he is our God. God had brought the Hebrews out of Egypt. He led them by day with a pillar of cloud, his vertical cloud, which was his spirit pointing from earth to heaven. He had led them by night with a pillar of fire, this vertical flame, which was his spirit coming down from heaven. And he had led them through the wilderness all this way. And then it stops right here. And God tells Moses, camp here, stop here by the Red Sea, stay here. And the Hebrews, what do they do? They freak out. We just read it. They freak out and they begin to cry out to one another. What is God thinking? What is God doing? Why is God doing this? Why has he brought us here to die? It would have been better if we just stayed in Egypt. We could have been slaves there. It would have just been better. What is God doing? He, they would rather die in Egypt than follow God's plan, even if it was difficult. And they began to lose confidence in Moses. And if there was ever a group of people needing a miracle, it was the Hebrews. And if there was ever a person needing a miracle, it was Moses. And Moses begins to cry out to God, God, what, what, what's happening? What, what, what's, what's the plan? And God says, quit crying. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> right? And then God moves, literally. I love that, literally. God moves. The pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud had been in front of the children of Israel, leading them out of Egypt this whole way. He gets bring the pillar brings them to the Red Sea, and then literally God moves. The pillar moves from in front of them and moves over them. And could you just imagine them all watching this pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud begin to move all the way across the people and it goes from in front of them to behind them and the pillar of fire the pillar of cloud the angel of the lord it says gets between the children of israel and the egyptians i love that it it, it goes from in front of them to behind them the spirit of god got between the hebrews and their enemies the Spirit of God is moving. The Spirit of God is working. The Spirit of God is saying, yeah, I'm going to lead you and I'm going to keep you. I'm going to guide you and I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be out front and then I'm going to get your back. I am your God and I am going to lead you and keep you. I will not forsake you. God is with his people. 
Pharaoh knows, that Pharaoh sees, they understand, and God begins to move, and the waters part, and, and the, the pillar stays right there. They cross it, and the pillar moves, and the Pharaoh and his army, the Egyptians, begin to, to follow, and then they begin to have chaos and confusion, and by wind, they're crushed under the weight of the sea. They're drowned. God wins. God wins. God always wins. And God always keeps his people. Listen, if there's ever a person needing a miracle, it's you and me. There's ever a person needing a miracle, it's you and me. Sometimes we don't know where God's taking us. We don't know what God's doing. We don't know how God's leading us or why he's leading us the way he's leading us. But he knows that if he were to take us another way, we'd just about quit. He knows if he were to take us another way that it would get us off course. It would, it would mess up his plan and we, and we would stop trusting him and we would want to go back to Egypt. Sometimes we don't know why, where God is taking us. We don't know why God is taking us the way he's taking us. But if we will just follow him by faith, adversaries come. Oftentimes we begin to question ourselves. We begin to question everything. We begin to question God. We question God. We say, God, what are you doing? Why are you leading us this way? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to us? What are you doing? It feels like we're being faithful and I'm just trying to be who you've called me to be and I, and I love you and I serve you and I give you my life and it just, I don't understand why you're taking us this way. I don't understand why this is happening this way. What is going on, God? And we question and we question. Am I the only person that ever questions God? Anybody else ever questioned God? God, what are you doing? We complain. We complain about the cost of freedom and reminisce over the land of slavery. We do that as a people. We can do that as, 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 as Christians. We can do that as a church. We can complain about the cost of freedom and reminisce over the land of slavery. We can distrust and complain about our leaders. We can look out, look back on the mess he brought us out of. We look back on the mess he brought us out of and we begin to see it as a, as a paradise instead of a landfill. And we long for the mess instead of the promise. Listen, God will tell us, and he's letting us know that if we'll just trust him, if we'll just be still, if we'll just be quiet, if we'll just trust him, not only is he going to lead us out, he's going to get our back. He's going to fight for us. He's not going to forsake us. He's not going to lead us to the Red Sea to drown. He's going to lead us to the Red Sea so that the enemy can drown and we can be delivered. Does anybody believe that this morning? God doesn't lead us to destruction. He leads us to victory and the enemy's destruction. But here's what happens. Here's what happens. We don't see the parting of the Red Sea until we see the Red Sea. What does that mean? It means you will not see the victory until you see the battle. 
are faithful and we trust God, God will part the waters and lead us through the other side. I believe that. We have to be willing to walk through those waters. Because those waters will become those steps. He will fight the enemy. He will destroy the enemy's work in our lives. Ben, would you come on up? The same God who is leading you out of the darkness has your back. You see that it became darkness. Pharaoh and the, and, and the Egyptians, all, it was all darkness and, and, and a cloud and they couldn't see. God was bringing confusion to the enemy to bring deliverance to his people. Listen, I love this. Jesus, we talked about the spirit of God, the, the pillar of fire between, between Egypt and, or the Egyptians and the Hebrews. Jesus is God getting between you and the devil. Jesus is God getting between you and your sin. Jesus is God getting between you and your past. Jesus is God getting between you and your failures. Jesus is God getting between you and your defeat. Jesus is God getting between you. Spirit is the cloud and the fire that is guiding you, guiding God's people forward into the promised land. What is the promised land? The promised land is the the promised land is the land of milk and honey. What does that mean? It's the land where God has promised his people. It is the kingdom of God and his Christ. He is leading us to that promised land. So don't give up. The promised land, the promised land isn't temporary blessing. Although I want temporary blessing, I want God to work in the here and now. Those temporary blessings, those here and now blessings, they aren't the promised land. They're just a foretaste of the promised land. The blessings that we experience in the here and now are not the end. They're just a foretaste of what will come. Be faithful. Be obedient. Trust in God. Every miracle, every blessing, everything that God does in the here and now is a foretaste of what is yet to come.
step is a step of